0: You're listening to the Gov Future podcast, highlighting discussions and insights around innovative technology impacting the public sector. Hear from experts working with and inside the government on ways that technology is shaping the future of the public sector. On this episode, we talk to Joaquin Lacal, who is sales engineer at Denodo. We discuss how public sector agencies are addressing concerns regarding data security and compliance, how public sector agencies can foster a culture of data-driven innovation and collaboration to accelerate IT modernization initiatives, the challenge of managing multiple data lakes, and the unique challenges and benefits public sector agencies face around data and adopting emerging technologies. Stay tuned.
1: and welcome to the Gov Future podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh.
2: And I'm your host, Ron Schmelzer. And if you can hear some of the music in the background, you know that we are at the Data Cloud World Tour Conference in D.C. at the Ronald Reagan Trade Center building and here in Washington, D.C. And we're interviewing thought leaders who are advancing the state of data and IT in the government. And uh, really thrilled for you who are- are joining us. And if you're joining us for the first time, you should know that what we usually do here on the GovFuture podcast, you may hear lots of interviews with government thought leaders, folks who are pushing forward innovation in the public sector and advancing all the ways that technology is shaping the future of the public sector. So for those for our listeners and for our GovFuture members.
1: Exactly. So if you're not familiar with GovFuture, we're the fastest growing community of government innovators. You can learn more at GovFuture.com. And I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. On our podcast, we like to bring about thought leaders from the entire public sector ecosystem. So we interview a lot of actual government employees, federal, state, and local. But we also take time to interview vendors and folks that are involved in the ecosystem because we always like to learn from each other. And that's why we think it's so important that we have collaboration and discussions So on today's podcast, we're excited to have with us Joaquin Lacal, who is sales engineer at Denodo. Welcome and thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background, what you do at Denodo, and also maybe what Denodo does. A quick overview of that in case our folks who are listening aren't familiar with that.
3: That's perfect. So um, my name is Joaquin Lacal and I'm a sales engineer with Denodo. I have a a lot of experience with data management. So I I started my days, uh, you know, working in a company called MicroStrategy, actually, who happens to be here. Um, I was there for a couple of years, then I, you know, worked on CRM systems, uh, data warehousing systems, uh, building, you know, it's extraction, transformational loading. Um, And, uh, you know, finally I landed at Oracle, uh, and then from Oracle, uh, you know, same Oracle database. Uh, you know, they're not always very similar, it's like a relational database, it was like an actual case for me. And I, I came over to this company in 2018, so it's been over four and a half years. Well,
2: that's a great background, and I think it's really cool to hear how that's shaped your understanding of data, strategy, and Oracle and all these companies. I think that's fantastic. So tell us a little bit, so you had a lot of visibility into how organizations of all types, are adopting and uh, approaching data across. Data has changed quite a bit <laughs> in these past uh, 30 or so years. So how are you seeing uh, public sector agencies and others addressing perhaps uh, how they're using data, but maybe some of the concerns around data security and compliance, all that sort of stuff? So so um, the, the the thing with data is that data is
3: data. I have a friend who says data is data. You know, it's, if you work with data for a year or two, it's, it's, it's the same thing. Uh what has changed is 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 two things. Number one is the volumes. Uh today we generate a lot of data. Um, you know, and pretending to to place it into one single location, you know, create a glorified, unified, monolithic solution is probably out of the question for for most, for most agencies, for most companies. Um uh, with customers that uh, you know a few years ago they had one data lake, but they have four or five more. Uh so it, Kind of, kind of interesting, right? Yes. Um, and uh, so that that volume is important. And then there's also a, a new type of volume that before we didn't even tackle. You know, anything that is non-structured. There. I'm not talking about JSON and XML. We know very well. We can format it very well. I'm talking about uh, all of this data, all of these logs, uh, PDF files, word documents, chats um, that don't have any structure. And today we have very fast processes, you know, to, to, to process all of this information uh, to obtain, you know, meaningful insights out of it, right? Uh, that can be leveraged, right? In a way, you're basically extracting structure so that, you know, it can be used for further purpose. So that's that. Those are the, the, uh, the two things that I've seen that have changed o- over time. Uh, of course, uh, on the security side, You used to have, uh, you know, your 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 unified perimeter. Uh, Everybody was on premise. Now you you don't have, uh, you know, a a, a single zone that you have to protect, right? People access everything through the uh, mobile devices from all all all, all sorts of places in the world. Um, So that 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 has changed the 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 surface of attack is different. Uh, so from that perspective, things have changed, have changed a lot, um, and the groups have gotten much better. You know, p- people say, well, in the old days, uh, you had seven systems and you had to get access to all seven systems, uh, and it was a very long process. Uh, if you violated one system, the password probably another other six was different. So in reality, you know, in, in a way, you were more protected than you are today, where, you know, if, if you, it really is still the identity of a person who has access to all of these seven systems you can get immediate access to it so there's different ways that you have to address all, all of these uh, all, all of these concerns uh, you know and, and which is essentially you know trying to determine if it's are they from the right IP address are they logging on at the wrong time of the day so is a lot of knowledge right that, that, that has to go into that that, that before we didn't care um, that that's us the the alone the change that i have seen in the market for the few years
1: yeah, it's interesting you bring that up. I mean, we talk about one of the Vs of data, right? Volume. And we just have so much data, more data than ever before. And you talked about this idea of structured versus unstructured data. We say that you know 80 plus percent of the data that an organization has is actually unstructured. So that's where you need to tap into that to actually get a lot of the value of your data. But that poses challenge because unstructured data is a lot harder to manage and deal with and get those insights than it is with structured data. And data continues to grow at such an astounding rate. So, how are public sector agencies, how can you see public sector agencies foster a culture of data-driven innovation and collaboration to accelerate IT modernization initiatives, especially given some of the challenges that we just talked about when it comes to data? How are you seeing public sector agencies really trying to foster a culture of data-driven innovation?
3: Well, there's several aspects to it. Um one is uh given you have all the volume. Um, you probably need to house the data in multiple locations. Uh, if, if you look at DOD, you know, they have multiple locations with large humongous amounts of data, right? Um, so the idea is how, how do you give access to, to your users to all of that information without having to get seven logins, right? And be able to access it with the, the right access, right authorization, uh, with the proper security, uh, role-based or attribute-based, um, so that, you know, you 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 have really that uh, self-service capability. Um, you, you don't have to go and beg for access to this system and that system and that system. You basically log on to the system. You're authorized to see what you need to see, what you're authorized to see. Um, and, and you work from there. So that, that's that's one aspect uh, of it. Uh, so the idea is you have a humongous data lake or a humongous data warehouse. It is, it's, it's not bad, but it is not realistic that you're going to be able to work with that all. Um, and that, that's a little bit of what our, our product does, you know, it's a, a address the, the, the whole problem of the logical distributed architectures, um, you know, building that abstraction layer, or semantic layer, if you will, that sits on top of your, your sources, right? Think about it, uh, you know, b- back in the early, you know, late late 70s, you had one one d- database, home in your own company, right? So you access that database, you access all the information that, that you had, uh, a, a relational, you know, format in your company. Now you have hundreds so can you go back to that can you go back to logging on to a system that basically gives you access without any further uh, you know work to, to to all of these all of these sources underneath right so that, that's that's a that's one one aspect of it um on, on the aspect of uh, unstructured data uh, there's there's a lot of uh, processes that we have today, uh, you know, using AI and ML algorithms, uh, in some cases, it's, it's as simple as Python, and are uh, processing those uh, that unstructured those unstructured data uh, to 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 get some some meaningful insights out of them, so they can be leveraged, you know, in in traditional, uh, you know, um, uh, reporting tools or data visualization tools, uh, you know, once once we have extracted that that knowledge. Right, uh, a lot of that log data is low density. So the question you have to ask yourself is: Do you want to put it in a high-cost type of structure with high-cost compute, or do you should you put it in a lower-cost structure with lower-cost compute? Right? So that, that that's 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 you know something that uh, each, each agency will have to identify themselves. Um, and then the other thing is that uh, you, you would like to see uh, what I like to call uh, maybe maybe it's not the right term, polyglot access to your to your data, uh, meaning that. Uh, you can access the data in a traditional relational format, you know, SQL type of connection. Uh, you can access your data via web services, uh, you know, REST APIs, uh, maybe data APIs, GraphQL, GeoJSON. Uh, you may have, you know, users that, that prefer to use a traditional MDX approach, right, with the dimensions and, and measures. So w- why not give them all Access to the same layer uh, to, to you know any format that they may need, and I say users, but in reality, it's not just users. We have application to application integrations, right? Uh, one, one thing that, that we see you were asking me about modernization. Uh, uh, you can modernize systems. Uh, in some cases, the modernization may involve going to a lower cost storage and compute. Some modernizations can be a reimplementation of, of a legacy system. Uh, some of them might be uh, what we call the famous lift and shift, you know, as is you move to cloud. Um, and so there are many different ways, but but the, the real objective is to increase efficiency and reduce costs, right? So it's, it's, it's twofold. So the question is that you have to ask yourself, if you have a set of shared data services that people are using today, when you modernize an application, when you go to a lower cost, uh, you know, data warehouse. Um, in that particular case, what how can you uh, minimize the impact on the business users? And that's something that we we help you do with uh, that decoupling between the consumers, users, applications, and the sources, allow you to basically move from um, database A to database B with different table structures without impacting the physicals. Uh, so that that's one of the things that uh, you know are important uh you know be able to replace things without uh disrupting the, the you know or, or we have coming you know a humongous cut over yeah. you know just incrementally uh, you say oh my data i'm my data actually my data in my older warehouse or in the new data lake uh, well 50 50 right now maybe 70 30 tomorrow but you, you don't know, you're the business. You don't care the data is coming from one source, two sources, three sources, 20 sources. Uh, you just want, you know, customers means customer and you know exactly what it means to you. Uh, same thing with the taxpayer concept, material concept. Business users know what that means, you know, whether it comes from one SAP system or four, they don't care. So that's that's, that's a
2: bit of a, but, but yeah, I think, you know, one of the interesting things is that you mentioned that there's like a little bit of a balance between, on the one hand, trying to centralize information, keep it in one place to provide access for people who want to do it and combine information. On the other hand, we have security issues when if you centralize, we have problems of giving people access to things that they may not necessarily, you know, should should have access to. So it's an interesting tension between the how do people usually resolve it? And also you mentioned casually. That you know, people were have multiple data lakes, which is interesting because I always thought the idea of a data lake is not to have multiple data lakes, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah,
3: that's is the way that it is. Uh, you know, especially if you're a global customer, uh, it's not unusual to have a, at least one data lake in Europe, one in the US, and one in Asia Pacific. Um, just to give you a very quick example, uh, we we have a, a, a telco customers that have multiple data lakes, uh, and and so it's it's it is what it is uh, it's it's is that you have uh, on the federal side you don't see that so often uh, because there are always new implementations but on the commercial side you have mergers, you have acquisitions how, how do you provide in- immediate access to data you know you have a, a European company that is acquired by an American company and one has his AP and one has people's costs or just to give you an example how do you provide uh, quick data access to those? Uh, you know, reporting quickly. You are gonna put in a warehouse, are you gonna do in real-time or near real-time? Are you gonna do both? If there's some things you need history, and then you need better performance, or some other things, you just need a, a cancer. So th- th- those questions are, are, you know, it's something that uh, you have to be aware of. Um, that the government, uh, it's one of those locations where uh, in some areas, they have never surfaced the data that they have, especially with legacy systems, which may or may not be modernized. And we call them legacy; they might still be running for another twenty years or thirty years, right? As long as the vendor keeps upgrading everything. So, so you know, how do you surface the data? You know, you share data services to make it available to do integrations. Um, you know, you have, for example, a, marvelous tool especially basically data science and and providing beautiful insights. How do you get the data from the legacy system to this to, to this new system that might be a data hub because then need to ingest that data, process it right to, to generate those insights. Uh, where is the bad guy? Uh, you know, I think things along the, the, that nature right? so that's
2: uh, that's something that's uh, it's, it's always a challenge. Um, yeah. And, and I like kind of how you, you talk a little bit about legacy systems, because I think what differentiates perhaps in some ways, well, not always, government, public sector agencies, perhaps from enterprises, is that sometimes the legacy goes way back. We had a um, really nice on our panel, we have a we run a Gov GovFuture forum event. DC on a monthly basis at George Mason University. And we had a panel with a bunch of government CIOs and deputy CIOs. And one of them was Andre Mendez, who was the chief information officer for the Department of Commerce. And he talks about, he's like, and also we had another uh, previous panel with the deputy CIO of the Census Bureau. And both of them were talking about interesting legacy. Uh, Andre Mendes was saying like, we still have shortwave radio stations that we need to maintain because they provide vital services that are from the 1940s, the 1950s that we need to automate. So we have not only software issues, but hardware issues, working with companies that are not even around anymore. Like the companies are completely gone uh, and we have to (laughs) figure out how to integrate with them, talk about a data challenge and just a technology challenge. And then um, uh, Skip Bailey, who is the deputy CIO of Census Bureau, talks about that they just, every 70 years, they have to release the census data from 70 years ago. So he goes, just this year, we released the census. there, like, recently we released census data from 1950. So talk about having to maintain all that. And that's just such a unique challenge because enterprises wouldn't put up with that sort of <laughs> legacy, right? And, you know, don't get me start with the Library of Congress, right?
1: <laughs>
2: so, uh, true, true, that too. That's a, Yeah, that library's got stuff to the 1700s. So that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that, I think, is some of the unique challenges that we get with the public sector versus the private sector, right? You know, just the the amount of data that's there, the amount of data that you continue to need to store, need to access over time, which causes some challenges, right, that the public sector agencies face that maybe the private sector is not facing. So can you share some of the challenges that pub- public sector agencies face around data and also adopting emerging technologies, given some of their unique constraints?
3: One thing that public sector, especially on the federal civilian side, there's uh, mandates for sharing data better. And I, I think that the data is shared, but we can do a much, much better job um uh give access you know sometimes you basically can can request data because you are authorized to do that right by Congress um and, and it takes one two three years to get it um or or multiple requests uh so that, that should be much easier um you know especially in, in in the interest of transparency um you know it's something that uh, we, we we could do better um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's limitations, especially budgeting limitations, because that, that's always what happens. But, but that's uh, an area where we could improve. Um, another area we could improve is, um, or, or at least take a look at, is, is the whole uh, shared data services, whether they are customer facing, you know, uh, taxpayer facing, or or they are um, for the purpose of sharing data between agencies because agencies need to share data and uh, sending files is probably not the best way to do it. Um, You know, maybe we just take a look at, you know, give them SQL access, REST APIs, and so on. Um, And uh, that that type of work um, um, help in providing information uh, to the new technologies you know to to be able to to do something with you know chat gpt or right or ai ml uh, you, you need the data first so how do you surface that data to make it available so that we can provide better insights what can we do better um how can we improve our, our systems um how can we more be more efficient um uh, can we do the same work with uh, you know with twice but as much population and the same number of workers, um, and then we can liberate those resources to work on additional services that you know we may need in the future that we don't need today, do. right? So that that type of evolution, um, you know, that the private sector is very fast in adjusting, uh, you know, could be uh, translated also to the to the federal sector as well. Uh, now, what what I call Fortune Zero, which is DoD the largest <laughs> Enterprise in the world uh, that that's th- th- there that's a uh, you know different so it's it, it requires it, its own things right because the, the mission is different right it's, it's basically our defense and, and securing our our, our, our interests our territory right so but the, the mission is different so it has to be operating differently. um uh, and they they do develop a lot of times their own tools around own products uh to support emissions, right? Uh, it's, it's true that they try to leverage, uh, you know, commercial special products in many cases. Um, so I think that's what it makes in that perspective.
2: Yeah, I think it's really interesting because um, you're right. Permanent Department of Defense is just so broad. But it's also interesting because people don't realize in, in many cases, you uh, how much a lot of these government innovations have spurred what we have, even in our daily lives. As we know, DARPA, Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, helped create the internet that we're like using every day for our daily lives, and it was used as a way to facilitate uh, interagency and academic communication. So it's all part. It's all, we're all part of this 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 world together. Um, so I think you know one of the interesting things you mentioned, some of the some of the unique challenges and differences, but maybe perhaps even some of the how about some of the unique advantages or perhaps some of the unique benefits that maybe you've seen that uh, public sector agencies are taking advantage of or doing that. Perhaps we haven't seen in commercial. You mentioned a little bit about things for the public welfare and things like that. But, you know, there's lots of agencies doing all sorts of stuff outside of defense, a lot of civilian agencies, public health and things like that that are doing some really interesting things.
3: I think that um on, on the larger they're doing a lot of large implementations uh which make a lot of sense uh with uh you know modern data lake uh solutions, uh data lakes, like houses, warehouses, whatever you want to call them. Uh they, they and, and that's I think that's important because they are trying to implement incremental pipelines, which makes the data available almost immediately, which in not always, but in many situations is something that you really want to see. Um if you typically don't want to work with their data. Some cases you know, are they old? It's not good. Um so that that's that's one of the things that um, I've, I've seen. Um DOD is, is is working really hard at that because it's very important to have the latest and greatest all the time. Have resiliency. Um, you know, and so that if something goes down, you don't lose uh, your system and you know, they continue working uh events in a distributed manner. So so that that's that's something that I, I've seen that uh, you know if it, it has been adopted um, and taking advantage of of, you know commercial or publish products type of products.
1: It's interesting because we talk about data all the time, right? Because data really is so foundational to anything else that we do. We say that data is the heart of AI, really data is the heart of decision making as well. And we talk a lot about this D I K U W pyramid where data is the foundation upon which all things are built so that uh, above it is information, D-I-K, knowledge, understanding, then wisdom. And when you're thinking about anything that you're doing, right, data is always that foundation. So you need to make sure that you have access to that data, that you can use that data, that you can gain insights from that data, because otherwise it's just data. At the beginning, you said data is data, and it is. But you need to do something with that data so that you can gain those insights. So this has been such an incredible conversation. I think we could talk all day about data and still not uh, ever run out of things to say. Before we wrap up, we always like to end our podcast with the same question because our guests are able to bring such unique perspectives to this uh, to their response. What do you see or hope to see as the future of technology and innovation in the government?
3: So there's one thing about going back to data, that. If, if you think about it in an ideal world, unless you needed history, you would never need to replicate data across systems. Now, that's not possible today. What, what I see is over time, slowly getting to that, where you will be able to access data almost instantaneously, irrespective of where it's located how many sources or how large your data volumes are. So I think slowly we're gonna be moving into that so that a lot of these uh, data replication and having data multiple
2: locations and doing data quality uh, is gonna be reduced over time. That's that's probably my. Opinion. Well, great. Well, that's good insight, and uh, that's the the quest, the never ending goal. <laughs> we have data in so many places. We're just trying to get it together, and then spread it apart, and then do analysis and secure it. And it's 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 interesting because it's, because some of these things are consistent with each other data integration and collection and ag- aggregation. But some of these things are not consistent with each other, like security and privacy, where you try to keep things apart. So, so it's always this, this constant battle, constant uh, uh, interaction. But I think that's why we continue to have these conversations. So it's, it's been fantastic. So Joaquin, I really wanted to thank you so much for your fantastic insights, for for being a guest here on the Gut Future podcast and really sharing your insights with our listeners. Yep. No, thank you very much Steve.
1: Thank you so much for this discussion today. We have really enjoyed this podcast. And listeners, if you enjoy listening to our podcast, make sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. Also, if you're interested in becoming a GovFuture member, I encourage you to go to govfuture.com slash join so that you can take advantage of all that the community has to offer, including... Uh, Access to a diverse network of government innovators, opportunities to collaborate with different government agencies, exclusive access to events and resources, and really have a platform to have a voice in shaping the future of government innovation. Again, you can go to govfuture.com slash join, and I'll link to that in the show notes as well. We also have resources tailored just for you, our GovFuture listeners. If you go to govfuture.com slash resources, you can check that out. There's lots of books and courses, checklists, explainer videos, webinars, and more. So please make sure to go to govfuture.com slash resources to check that out, and govfuture.com slash join to join our community. We've got great resources if you're looking to get more insights and details on a range of technology that we discussed in this podcast and other topics as well. Check out our resources, books, courses, checklists, explainer videos, webinars, and more at govfuture.com resources, tailored for our GovFuture listeners. Again, that's govfuture.com resources, and we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well.
0: To view this episode's show notes, find additional episodes, subscribe to this podcast, and join the fastest-growing community of government innovators, go to govfuture.com slash podcast. This sound recording and its contents are copyright GovFuture, all rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod. Thanks for listening to the GovFuture podcast, and catch you at the next episode.